Hello and welcome to ChickFlix. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about the craft and the covenant. But first, let's catch up. What are you into? Okay, so I have been watching the most recent season of Search Party, which is a television show on HBO Max about kind of like this ragtag group of millennials who in the very first few seasons investigate the disappearance of an acquaintance from college and it gets progressively more and more dark each season uh and this i think is one of my favorite seasons thus far it is so funny it is it has got me like laugh out loud (laughs) (laughs) at my desk when i watch it and um i really in particularly love uh john early's performance in it he just makes me laugh every time he's on screen he's so funny he has such an amazing sense of comedic timing um, and this new season too also stars cole escola and they are also a really fun and interesting performer to watch and the whole season kind of is this homage i think to psycho and mm. i'm kind of like eager for it to play a little more with some of the weird gender dynamics of psycho and Mm. um i'm interested to see where it's going it's coming out in batches of three episodes at once so i'm only two-thirds of the way through um i am reading a new book called black sun by rebecca roanhorse which is a a fantasy epic inspired by pre-columbian um religious traditions and indigenous religions uh it's really interesting i'm really enjoying it uh so far it's really like entertaining and it feels like fun and familiar to get lost in like a fantasy novel again um Mm. i did before reading it read a long profile on rebecca roanhorse in vulture which included many different voices uh of other indigenous authors who Mm. applied some really interesting criticism to the very idea that someone would like try to write a fantasy novel about, um, you know, like indigenous religions. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's interesting. I'm kind of keeping that in mind as I read it, that there Mm -hmm. are these dissenting voices who are kind of like complicating, um, the narrative around this book, but really enjoying it still. And then the last thing I'm into is when I'm not giggling at John early, I am listening to Adrian Lenker's album songs, Uh, which is just like a really beautiful, soft, cozy, wintry album uh, where the songs kind of bleed into one another. And I love her voice. And some of it's very sad, but it still feels very comforting to listen to. And yeah, it's just been like a really perfect... You feel like you're... She recorded it in like a cabin in the woods and you feel like you're also in the cabin in the woods, but not in a scary way, not a scary cabin, (laughs) a nice nice cabin. Um, Yeah. What are you into, Ken's? Well, those all sound great. Is is Black Sun like a fun fan? Like, is it is it like easyish to read? Yes, it is. Okay. It is like um, I th- I saw some people in Goodreads like asking like, is this YA? I would mm-hmm. say it's kind of like between. It's definitely not like um, yeah. I, I would say it's it's like a fun read in that way. Uh, okay. It's very adventure based. It has a lot of different characters. Um, yeah. Okay, I should read it because I feel like my brain is, I cannot, yeah, I need something like easy-ish to read because I can't, I'm depressed. It's one of those books that started, oh God, <laughs> started with off with like a, a map of the world and a list of character names. Oh, so it is okay. kind of, yeah, you know, and I am okay. like, okay, I have to reference that a lot because there's so many characters that I'm, but you okay, can okay, really okay. get into it, yeah. Cool. So I'm into, um, 
speaking of depression <laughs> i'm into so every morning it's very it's so hard to get out of bed and like be like mm-hmm. oh i have a reason to be alive oh god but yeah. rick martinez's instagram is that reason for me <laughs> so once when the ba test kitchen like blew up uh we talk about this all the time it's like the drama of the year <laughs> just keeps on giving yeah um but i followed a lot of them on instagram the ones that i still liked mm-hmm. and one of them was rick martinez and i love his instagram so every day he'll post about like the day in his life in Mazatlan, Mexico. He just moved there like during the pandemic and he just uh, is like at the tail end of remodeling his house, I think. He had it like completely retiled with these like gorgeous artisan tiles and he just has these like incredible meals around the city. Um, Like when he was remodeling, he wasn't living in his house so he was cooking less. But um, that's why he was eating out a lot. But even just like when he does cook, it's also incredible. And he just adopted a dog, uh, Choco Loco. No, just Choco, but he does say that a lot. And it's just so cute to see, sorry, the dog like become healthier. And it's just like, like, I'm living vicariously through this man's Instagram stories. It's really like, it is like, it's sunny there all the time. It just is like a great like shot. And it's because it is on the like Pacific uh, coast. It's the time, like he posts it every night. So I see it when I wake up in the morning and I open it first thing every morning. And it's like great. So highly recommend that. I love that. (laughs) um and then the second thing is the book legend born by tracy dion and it just came out in september which i didn't realize um because now i'm like i really want the sequel and now i'm probably gonna have to wait like a year or something um but it's a ya novel about uh a girl named brie who she's 16 but she goes to this like pre-college program at unc chapel hill and it's about like magic and this like yeah. retelling of like the King Arthur legend, basically. And she, it's she's like a she's a black girl lead. She there's like queer, like uh, uh, side characters, but also like kind of queer, like love triangle type okay, thing that it. was like alluded to a little bit. And it is like a love triangle with like a dark, uh, like brooding emo guy and then like this golden boy who's like anyway i love that sounds a little like it could be uh in the same genre as the movies we're going to talk about oh yeah for sure yeah and so yeah loved it i did think like while reading it i was like couldn't they just have made it like actual college like (laughs) she's at a college like just make her like a few years older and then i wouldn't have to feel weird about like (laughs) Yeah. Although, also, like, it's a YA book. Obviously, it's not written for yeah. me. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like how Bella should have been in college for Twilight because mm-hmm. it would have just made things so much better that she had. And ha- that's you know? sort of, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing about the movies that we watched, too. I was like, they're at a boarding school. Just make it college. Yeah. yeah. 
And I thought that same thing about the Winx saga, which is I'm now watching on Netflix. Uh, but I was like, they're at a boarding school. Like, just make it college. So I don't yeah. have to feel weird about, like, watching these teens have sex. Um, But then the third thing is, even though I just talked about the Winx saga, which I guess that is also a thing. <laughs> uh, but the third thing is prettier than which is a youtube channel that my brother started and it's prettier and then t-h-a-n than his name is than but it's also like than like (laughs) um his name is nathaniel so we call him than um but he does makeup reviews and um he's really sort of like learning how to do makeup too and it's just so cute and funny to watch him like uh spend time talking about something that he really likes and no he knows a lot about all the makeup too which is like very impressive to me um like he knows about like the brand the new releases like the like history and all that shit it's like uh very it's very cool to see him like get better not just at like the video editing and stuff which it i feel like every um episode he releases gets better and better but also at makeup like he gets better at makeup each uh, video so it's i'm so proud of him it's so funny and cute um and everyone should go like comment subscribe (laughs) ring that bell (laughs) we should do a crossover episode where we can have fan help us recreate a look from a movie oh my god that's such a good idea he would love doing that yeah, yeah, he he knows so much more than I do, so it's been fun to watch because I feel like I need a guide <laughs> as an adult woman <laughs> to learn about makeup. He really does. He just knows, like, I feel like he knows, like, so much, like, so much about what the industry is, like, saying, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a great summary, and it could be, like, so overwhelming to, mm-hmm, like, definitely. go into, I think. So it's nice to have, like, someone you could go to to give like a good sum up (laughs) of what is good um but yeah that's that's my spiel (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's dive into uh these two magical movies (laughs) (laughs) so the first movie we're talking about is the craft from 1996 um Sarah Bailey is the new girl at school after her suicide attempt prompts her family to relocate to Los Angeles. Sarah, who sometimes can will things to happen with her mind, is not like most other girls. But luckily, neither are Rochelle, Bonnie, and Nancy, a group of outcasts called the Bitches of Eastwick by other students. The four girls realize they make up four parts of a coven and quickly bond together, using their mutual powers to punish racists, heal wounds, and protect themselves. Through their friendship, they have at last found acceptance and power, but all of this is threatened when Nancy seeks out dark magic. So have you seen the you seen the craft before, right? Yeah, I saw the craft before, and I think I might have liked it more this time. I think because the first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I was like, I didn't know what to expect so i was very disappointed when it like their friendships devolved yeah definitely and i i feel the same way too and i was happy to kind of uh read a like retrospective on the craft by angelica jade bastion where she also says at the end of her review you know like i wish they could have just stayed friends because Mm -hmm. this watch i was like am i simplistic for just wanting a movie where the four girls like remain friends yeah but i do think that like the dissolution of their 
friendship group is both like realistic to a point, but also mm-hmm. like just not satisfying, you know, like yeah. this is not what you want, especially cause they all have come against all these different, like they, you know, they all have adversary adversity and you know, you just want them to, to stick through it. I had trouble yeah. saying, figuring out the word adversity. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, um, so they each kind of get like their own problem in the movie. Uh, Bonnie, who's played by Nev Campbell or Neve Campbell, probably Nev Campbell. Neve is probably not a name. I think it's Neve. I think it is Neve. Okay, maybe it's Neve. Um, <laughs> she has like horrible burns on her back that she is able to um, fix with witchcraft. Rochelle, who's played by Rachel True, um, is bullied by this terrible racist girl. Uh, who's on her swim team and Nancy is shown to have an abusive home life. Um, and I guess Sarah's thing is that she uh, likes a sucky guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's also like, is it like, did she try and kill herself because she's mm-hmm. depressed because her mom is dead? Like Perhaps. maybe, I don't yeah. know. She has a dead mom. So that is also pro- maybe a problem. Mm-hmm. I definitely. guess it definitely like, feels like none of the girls get really the same amount of character development and shading that like Nancy does. Mm-hmm. I think they all could have been developed more so, you know, like it mm-hmm. feels kind of like they each have their issue and that's what their entire character revolves around. Mm-hmm. And only Nancy kind of gets to have like a character arc in some way or some form. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's like similar to, it just reminded me of annihilation where like all the women, yeah. it's like of all women oh cast, God, but yeah. they're all defined by their like trauma. <laughs> Exactly. That is such a good point. It's such a good point. It's like the blonde one, the brunette one, and then they each have (laughs) a different problem. Um, I liked, you know, I thought originally while watching this that Sarah's character is kind of boring and blank, but I actually think upon this rewatch, I noticed that she is like pretty tough and Mm -hmm. resilient, and I enjoyed watching her for that reason. Yeah. Um, But Firuza Bulk as Nancy is just like the performance to watch, and Mm -hmm. She seems to me like she's having so much fun and it's such an intense performance too. And Mm -hmm. I I did read, um, I did read an interview with Fairuza where she was like, I'm always concerned when people tell me how much they love Nancy or they say, quote, like Nancy is my spirit animal, which I hate that term, but, um, (laughs) used in that way. Uh, but she was like, this always is concerning to me because I like tried to play her like a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely, she definitely just seems like someone who is like struggling a lot and just Mm -hmm. even in like, I would say a moment that really struck me was when she, it's like her, her like home life is not great. Like we said, that is like her problem, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And she sort of kills her (laughs) step father or like her mom's current boyfriend and they get his life insurance and then they can move out of their like shitty trailer and into this nice apartment and it's like initially you were like oh and she thinks this too that's just why you think it it's like it's all her problems are gone away now Mm -hmm. but really she there's a moment where you can tell she's still like not happy because her mom is still not the healthiest and it's just like this look that she has on her face mm-hmm. after inviting all of her friends to her apartment for the first time where she's sort of like brushing off her mom and it's literally it's just like a look on her face where yeah. and that's all you need to see to be like okay she's realizing that 
uh, it's not all fine after just this one change. Like there's mm-hmm. more that's, and that's really where like the conflict of the movie is where like, mm-hmm. she just can't get enough. Like yeah. she doesn't know when to stop because she's still unhappy the entire time, even yeah. though she like reaches each milestone and that she thinks that will be enough. And then once she reaches it, it's not, yeah. um, it's really sad in that way. Yeah, too. exactly. And it's like just a very sad story that mm-hmm. I don't think the movie, possibly because it was made by middle-aged men, um, like really understood why that was like specifically sad or like mm-hmm. why Nancy is specifically sad. And I yeah. Angelica Jade Bastian puts it really well in her review. So Nancy, at the end of the film, we see her, she's like committed. Um, and mm-hmm. Angelica writes that Nancy ends up crazed and strapped to a bed in a mental institution is a painful reminder that for women like her who refuse to fit any mold of femininity society affords them, power is illusory and second chances are an impossibility. That Nancy's fate is such a prosaic retrograde handling of a mentally ill, intensely iconoclastic woman's narrative undercuts the compassion of the rest of the film. I like to imagine a different ending, one in which the coven stays together and Nancy finds hope within her sisterhood and a better use for her abilities. Which is totally right. Like I think that's what's almost most disappointing about the end of the movie is that nancy is kind of like discarded after like her Mm -hmm. like her arc is like she had a tough life she found power her life became even more tough and then like Mm -hmm. she's discarded um which is like really sad and i think of uh two moments in the film where she clearly is also like a protector of other women Mm -hmm. um you know when her stepdad hits her mom and she shouts at her like don't you ever hit her first of all i like love moments like that in Mm -hmm. movies um and then she also you know like um, at one of like the climaxes of the film, uh, Sarah reports to her friend group that the boy that she has under a love spell, Chris, attempted to rape her. And Nancy also has like really bad history with Chris. It's not like explicitly stated what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes to a party to confront Chris for attempting to rape her friend, mm-hmm. and she ends up killing him um, in the same way that she like killed her stepdad. You know, and it's just mm-hmm. like it's sad that that is. You know, I think she did. She was trying to protect two other women in her life. Both times she kind of used her power in a bad way. Yeah, it does. She seems the most like she is like a, a like a child who, you know, like a te- like a teen who just like does not understand mm. like how to deal with their emotions. A lot of it is like self-destructive. Yeah, it's just it is very sad super sad uh this is how the producer of the movie doug wick described the movie which i found very upsetting (laughs) i've always been interested in female empowerment and my first movie was working girl i was sort of thinking about teenage girls and how suddenly they come into this enormous enormous power of their sexuality and how to make a movie about that i was very aware that witchcraft is an age-old metaphor for talking about female empowerment and the sort of mysteries of women and their connection to nature in terms of reproductivity. It's very cr- The worst part is saying that like their powers, the teenage girl power is their sexuality. It's Ew. like, okay, just because you find them sexy doesn't mean that's their power. Ew. I do think you were right when you said that like the producers might not have like really understood what they were making. And I mm-hmm. think that a lot of the like great moments of this movie are from the performances like we were mm-hmm. saying with Nancy. Definitely. Like I think that it just adds that like layer of complexity mm-hmm. that like the producers the movie, didn't exactly. understand. <laughs> exactly. And I think this movie and we'll talk about the covenant, but this movie excels in so many ways that the covenant doesn't also <laughs> because like the the friend group in the title of the uh film <laughs> 
is so mm-hmm. much more believable in this film. Like we get scenes of the girls bonding, you know, like they tell each other lewd jokes. Mm-hmm. They have a really cute sleepover scene. Mm-hmm. They're just more believable as a friend group. And you also understand what brought them together in that way. Their trauma mm-hmm. is like kind of useful in the story because they all have something going on where they need mm-hmm. each other and they need support. Whereas the covenant, you just like never get any of that <laughs> from those boys, which is like maybe a little bit uh, true to life. That yeah, that's like true too. girlfriend groups are just like go deeper, quicker. Yeah. Like necessary you know. for survival. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and you know, men have an epidemic of loneliness right now. That's a, a story that's in the news very often. Is that yeah. like men, adult men have trouble making friends and keeping friendships? So I know it's the, sad. the covenant could have addressed all of that. <laughs> There is a, obviously there's a need for it. So whoever makes that movie. That's why First Cow is so good. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Just sweet movies all around. Um, Also, I did think it was kind of not funny, but (laughs) I was thinking about how in like Harry Potter, the inciting incident where Harry realizes like he's magical as he communicates with a snake. And then I was trying to think of other like young adult Mm -hmm. novels where like, the protagonist realizes like I have magic powers and Mm -hmm. in the craft it's when the girls kill a homeless man together like they have this scene where this man is following Sarah and then they like wheel a car to hit him and Mm -hmm. afterwards they're all like did you think I hope that like the car is gonna hit him and they're like yeah oh god yeah that's bad (laughs) not great (laughs) that is like wild actually like thinking about yeah and also like why what was the point of that character like, they were all like jazzed about <laughs> killing a homeless man. Oh god. Yeah, not great. Should have should have been a red flag. Yeah. Um, I also felt that this movie, and maybe this was just because it a symptom of its time, had a icky amount of like suicide ideation, perhaps mm. for young girls. Yeah, I do think that is like a symptom of the time period maybe yeah. that that went on for like a long time and it maybe is actually still hap- actually maybe it's not a symptom of the time because like we have 13 reasons why which yeah, <laughs> just true. like very true was so popular i don't know i think it's so i hate stories like that i think it's also weird i feel like they don't like they never like really i think yeah go into like why uh, like uh, about suicide it's just like i know i just said 13 reasons why it's literally well no it's it's uh, not it's so stupid 13 yeah reason why is like blatantly offensive and dangerous you know? yeah. It, yeah it's very like suicide is like an, literally an accessory like you wear it on your wrist yeah. like a like a yeah. accessory and mm-hmm. it never talks about like the emotions underneath that or like the literal sickness that mm-hmm. it is yeah. it's very problematic <laughs> Yeah, because I think if you, like, tried to depict in a television show or a movie, like, the actual root causes of suicide, it, like, would not be interesting to watch. You know, it would mm-hmm. not, like, you can't, like, you have to glamorize it to make it, yeah. inter- like, a entertaining yeah. story. Um, this Rachel True, who plays, um, who plays Rochelle, is in Horror Noir, which we covered, I think, maybe mm-hmm. two years ago now. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, talking oh. about her experience in this movie, and she also talks about it a bit in, um a oral history on Huffington Post. I think some of the craziest things that she like reported basically mm-hmm. was that kind of 
it's a shame that they cut scenes with Rochelle's parents out of the movie mm-hmm. that established her as being kind of like this middle class young black girl who had, you know, like a lot of pressure going on at home, which mm-hmm. I think would have added much more character uh, than she was originally given. Right. And also that she wasn't invited on the publicity tour initially for this film, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It is like, and she says like, oh, like I just felt like conflicted. Like I had to like take what was given to me because yeah. at least I was in a movie and yeah. like stuff like that. And it's like her character. I loved her character. I yeah. felt like, I felt like at the end, especially I was so disappointed that mm. she was not like still friends with Sarah because it did seem the most out of character for her to like just join Nancy blindly kind of yeah like remain bad I guess and at the end I mean this is now going off on a whole a whole different track but like when uh Bonnie and Rochelle at the end turn up at Sarah's house and are like still bad it just seemed so out of character for both of them to like remain bad I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. The like switch flip of them being not being friends anymore. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really like hold up to like, I would have preferred maybe even a confrontation that was like the three of them against Nancy, you know, or like, like all of them trying to like talk Nancy down. Um, Yeah. It was strange in that way. Um, This movie I think also has been like a cult favorite because the fashion it's so fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They look great. They're doing like late grunge goth looks. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene where they're going into the woods where they have the we are the we- weirdos mister line. Mm-hmm. Really fun and great. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie is sort of a, a catalyst for the podcast. Do you remember wow. when we were texting and I was like doing crafts at my job because i used to do that can you believe um and i was like what if we started a podcast it was you had just moved to houston and i was like what if we started a podcast that was about arts and crafts and horror movies and we called it the craft that's so good still (laughs) but we were like i was like but how would we talk about arts and crafts that would be hard that would be hard it would also be hard i feel like to craft on a deadline (laughs) yeah it yes true and also we looked it up and like there were a bunch of other podcasts oh. that were just called the craft. Okay. Okay. And now there are a bunch of other podcasts that are called chick flicks, but we were the True. first we were at the, first. the time. There were no other ones. <laughs> so, so funny. There's, I think a review of the covenant that also sounded like our thesis statement too, which we'll get to in the oh, really? half. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is chick flicks. It was a, Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Review. Or maybe it was the craft. I can't remember. Um, no, it, was, it was the covenant. Oh, ten- okay. wait. I don't no, know. it was the craft. We'll, yeah, you're we'll right. Figure it you're out right. in a second. <laughs> um, also, so this movie also got like a soft reboot this year, which I have not seen, so I cannot truly comment on. Mm-hmm. But just from like perusing the Wikipedia and looking at the cast list, I will say also it's like a real bummer too that um, they kind of kept the same like racial demographics where it's three. I think I believe. Let me just double check this. Three white girls. Um, and one black girl and I was kind of like if you're rebooting something like why not just get more adventurous not Mm -hmm. even adventurous like I hate using that word but like just just make it 
more reflective of even like if they're still set in Los Angeles, like what Los right. Angeles teens would look like. Come on. You know? Also, yeah, it's three I girls. feel like any remake of this type of movie, like it's just so much of its charm is just the fact that it was in the 90s and and it does have that like sort of like just grungy feel to it that you cannot remake now it's things now are just too shiny like if that makes sense like they're too polished okay wait i would like to retract what i just said i just actually looked it up i should have spoken before thought before i spoke um one of the actresses is transgender um okay so that's like a it's nice that they changed it in that way too. But yeah. yeah, I totally agree that like also like just why reboot it if you're not going to like really complicate it or make it or I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but I think well, it's the same like as like the Charmed reboot. Like it's yeah. not like there's just a certain thing that you can't redo now and it's that like feel that like grungy like gritty feeling of the 90s that comes mm-hmm. with like it's just like you can't redo it like it's it would be too polished now and it just can't it's not the same the only thing that i think can do it is practical magic with a big little eyes treatment hell yeah i love and that's just a very specific thing like yeah (laughs) that's also because it was already like life um lifestyle wish fulfillment yeah exactly so it's like it'll segue right into each other um yeah do do you want to do run star reviews yeah let's do it Okay, I'll read the first one. Okay. This movie was actually painful to watch. I mean, good lord. The fact that this was rated so highly makes me sad. This is a bad mix of two bad things, chick flicks and paranormal thrillers. (laughs) Our two favorite things. Yeah, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Our little, uh, like, our actual brand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The second is, must be a sad life when you live in a big house with a loving family. Hey, you're even on a swim team. Now wear black, chant some spells, and don't conform. Unless it is in your inner circle of friends. Horrible, horrible mess. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I got this one from Common Sense Media, which is like, I feel like a Christian website. Okay. Do not recommend this movie for anyone under 20. Such a sick, twisted, and vile movie. A disappointment, if you ask me. Very satanic. Lord have mercy on whoever directed this horrid movie. I, you know, I eat that shit up because (laughs) it's just like... It's del- it's delicious, like yeah, it is delicious. You know, I want to do like the like, um, TikTok like tongue sticking out face. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, yes. At that, 100%. I'm so old. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> I love describing it like that. Ken's, what is your rating of the craft? Um. So I don't love this movie. I know I was like, we should name a podcast after it. But even then, I didn't I didn't Same. love this movie mm-hmm. I, because I get so disappointed that they're not friends at the end. Um, but uh, but it is like it does have like iconic looks. <laughs> um, and it, it does have good pacing. I'll say it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it does. Unlike The Covenant. Um, so I'll rate it like a six for the culture <laughs> agreed i'm feeling like a five or a six yeah it's not my favorite you know i think also maybe if i had watched it as like a younger teen or like a tumblr era teen i would have mm-hmm. been like yes 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 but yeah. i didn't watch it until i was an adult and um i think that 
it's disappointing in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the performances are the best part. For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But compared to our next movie, it is like a Scorsese flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whew. Yeah. Let's get into it. The Covenant. The Covenant is from 2006. Caleb Danvers, Pogue Perry, Reed Garwin, and Tyler Sims are the sons of Ipswich, descendants of powerful warlocks who colonized Massachusetts. The boys eagerly await their 18th birthdays when the full extent of their magical powers will be unleashed. At their elite private school, they are joined by new students, Sarah and Chase. Sarah quickly couples with Caleb, while Chase becomes a point of interest for the sons. Is he a friend or a foe? (laughs) Wow, such a great reading. And like so on brand for the movie. Thank you. This is a movie I have thought about watching for many years. (laughs) Just like, I'm like, I'm in, you know. (laughs) It's the craft for boys. It's a bunch of hotties that I recognize. It should have been... I mean, it's a good, bad movie. Yeah, no, I would say it's definitely like uh, an episode of like a supernatural teen uh, like show, you know, that would come out nowadays. And uh, like it has like the Wink Saga that I was talking about before. It has those vibes like it's very TV-esque. It's very TV-esque. It does like you said perfectly that it feels like you're jumping into season three. Um, yeah, it really just throws you right into the, right into it with like no, no set dressing at all. No, You're just like truly. in it. And they, um, the the opening scene is just like sets the tone. Their boys are standing on a cliff. Why? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> observing a party down below, and then they're like, "Should we go?" <laughs> and they all take turns jumping off the cliff. But guess what? They can they can uh, they can fly. They can float down. <laughs> but it still seems like such an unusual slash inconvenient way to go to the party. <laughs> Especially because then they drive away from the party. Where were they parked? Like where, <laughs> it just it immediately doesn't make any sense. Any sense? Yeah. Um, the two main hotties are Stephen Strait and Taylor Kitsch, aka Warren Peace from Sky High, and Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. Um, so hot, like the ultimate hottie. Yeah. yeah, and then the other two boys. I'm not sure who played the blonde boy, but Chase Crawford is one of them. They really don't matter at all. Yeah, not at all. Especially the gossip girl man. Like yeah, I he kept, barely speaks. He doesn't speak at all, and I kept trying to place him. I was like Vampire Diaries. Like what is yeah. he from? <laughs> you know, like very very similar. And the blonde boy, who is Reed. Yes, yeah. Okay. He was, like, only distinct because he was so blonde. And the rest yeah. were all the same, like, dark-haired men. <laughs> so true. And this movie, I will admit, this movie pulled one over me. This movie had the potential and the ability to surprise me. Because I really did think they were trying to set it up so that it would be revealed that their blonde brethren, Reed, was evil. Yeah, I thought so, too. But they yeah. dropped that. They They... Drop that plot line. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the real evil kid is played by Sebastian Stan, who is Chase. And mm-hmm. he, the evil monitor is like, for the whole movie, it's like at a zero. Like, I was really like, this is just their fifth buddy. Who yeah, I tr- I was so confused, actually. Because I they, like, allude to Sarah, the main girl's best oh, yeah. friend, 
being friends with Chase, who I was like, oh, he's her gay best friend. I literally thought he was just gay (laughs) the whole movie. And then and I was like, great, this is like pretty like progressive for because then he was becoming friends with Caleb, the main Ipswich son. And I was like, they're just accepting this gay man into their circle. This is great. I I just read him. I was like, they're so supportive. Like, I I can't believe they did this in 2006 or whatever. Yeah. But it's not that, I think. But that's how I read it. The whole movie. (laughs) he does get a very charged kiss with um, Caleb. Yeah. At the end of the film. Yeah. He does seem like he is kind of coded as both evil and gay. I just, um, it's another instance of like the filmmakers just had no idea what they, they were doing. They didn't know. They really, I think they knew <laughs> to an extent. This movie definitely is like, okay, this is going to be for horny teens of all mm. inclinations. We're going to do yeah. some shots of the girls in their dorm room wearing lingerie to go to bed. Yeah. Not yep. believable. They would have been in t-shirts, you know. Yes, I thought the same thing. Softy shirts. Uh, but also, the boys are going to get a scene in the locker room that is was so explicit that they had to CGI in fog. Oh, really? Steam, yeah. Steam it was fog. very hot. Like, And they're just like, they're all so hot. Everyone in this movie <laughs> is so hot. I know. When they're by the pool, you're like, is oh. it okay to see them in these shorts? And um, another thing where it's like, like I said, can it just be college? They're at a dorm. True. Already. Yeah, it like, just be college. That, and, another they already, thing, and they don't look like high schoolers. <laughs> they don't. Of course. Because they're not. Because they're all in their 20s. Yeah. Like, they're all in their 20s. They're all at dorms. Like, just make it college, please. God. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I thought about the reading the interview for The Craft with the producer who was like, I based it off oh. my high school experience. Like, where my girls, the girls in our dorms, like, and I was like, girls in dorms in high school? Make it college. Just make it college. Totally. Like, totally. <laughs> um, there is a review on the the blog In Search of Adam, who I don't think the author has put their like full name on the website, but he writes a review kind of looking at this movie from a queer perspective. Mm-hmm. Um he says, almost every man in this film is fun to look at. True. The cast reads like an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. True. The film's creator know this and use the beautiful flesh to their advantage. Um, <laughs> even when the men are not shirtless, they for some reason find it logical to wear wife beaters and sleeveless shirts to drink at a bar in autumn. Uh, very true. And he says that this movie is not as explicitly gay as Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but a solid runner-up. Caleb's fondness of his stunningly handsome male friends and his aversion to wearing shirts does appear very homosexual on the surface. Um, But he says, if I delve deeper into the relationship symbolism in this film, I find the covenant to be more bisexual than gay. The character of Caleb is experiencing many internal and external changes. He's on the brink of adulthood, which we will get to describing, and ascending. In the midst of these young hormones and supernatural forces coursing through his veins, he is presented with two enticing possible mates, Sarah and Chase. Um, in the oldest story in the book, Caleb, on one hand, is attracted to Sarah's simplicity and safeness, and on the other hand, he is drawn to Chase's complexity and danger. Both Chase and Sarah are drawn to Caleb's extreme life force, and both even end up kissing him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting read of it being a bi movie. Yeah, I, you know was only half paying attention during this movie i'm so sorry that's oh my god but i had to go back after reading that i was like they kissed (laughs) i totally missed it (laughs) um and so i went back and watched that scene (laughs) yeah Uh, and they do indeed it's very like sexually charged uh Mm -hmm. kissing part and you know 
I was watching um like a music video or something where it's like men are about to fight and they get like an inch away from each other the other night and they're and you think like oh Ooh. are they it's like are they gonna kiss or are they gonna fight like that is such a trope in like every yeah. like this movie fast and furious franchise like mm-hmm. just definitely there should be more kissing like in, am i gonna kick your butt or am i gonna touch your butt yeah that's ooh, good yeah. One. we should make an episode theme like just that Ooh, i like that yeah like the most sexually charged rivalries on film. Oh, yeah. Uh, that oh, is good. oh, yes. This movie has a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, also is kind of like incurious about the male bonds at the center of the movie. Yeah. Like it is, they are not interested in establishing the four boys as a friendship group at all. And even like, as we mentioned, two of them are like irrelevant, period. And don't yeah. get anything to do. They're supposed to protect Sarah at the end of the movie. And they're like, where'd she go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, another thing that at least the craft paid some lip service to consulting with and researching Wiccans um, mm. for the movie. This mm. movie is like ahistorical and just like clearly I could not find any evidence of this online, but you have to imagine that the um, the pitch for this movie was craft with the boys. Craft with the craft with boys. <laughs> yeah, it was very like... Uh, it's like it starts by talking about the salem witch trials in like a in like a text explainer thing and i was like wow pretty like brazen of them to (laughs) take the salem witch trials but make it for men yeah (laughs) definitely and they also make it like the magical lineage is from father to son and that there's a like a more explicit puberty link. They get their powers when they turn 13, and then they get their full powers when they turn 18. Uh, you know, like the witches believed in the legal definition of uh, adulthood yeah. too, I guess. Yeah. Um, this led me to look up the um, like the witch hunting part of history on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and this is from Wikipedia. Uh. Prosecutions for the crime of witchcraft reach a high point from 1580 to 1630 during the Counter-Reformation and the European Wars of Religion, when an estimated 50,000 people were burned at the stake, of which roughly 80% were women, and most often over the age of 40. So it does seem almost like borderline offensive to make this movie have also no real connection to like any known like magic or history, other than that they're in like Massachusetts. Yeah, and it is... it not. And it is bad at even just doing the setup for the magic in the world. Oh yeah. Period. 100%. Because like like we said, you're just like thrown into season three of this like yeah. weird like world where there's magic and they're like they never explain like any of it really. They are like they keep seeing a vision of this like dead uh Oh yeah. A student. Yeah, and they kept keep calling it like, oh, we saw a darkling, and you like never have a full understanding of what it is. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's so weird. And then the magic that they show is just like force fields. It's yeah. like they can, uh, like physically attack each other with force fields, uh, yeah. whereas in the craft, like it's a lot of like spell casting, mm-hmm. illusions, glamour. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie just had no origin at the center of it. Uh, also written by a man who was at the time of its release 60 years old who penned such gems as <laughs> Harry Potter can kiss my ass. 
I loved that. I did love that. I love that too. That was when I was like, I wish I was watching this with some of my girlfriends right now. Cause oh, that'd be so fun. We could have so such fun. good commentary. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that you should watch in a group. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Sadly, we could cannot <laughs> because yeah, of the pandemic. coronavirus. Yeah. Do you want to jump into ten star reviews, or is there anything else you want to say about the Covenant? I, you know, what I'll say about both of these movies is that when I, the reason that Harry Potter is like was such a hit <laughs> is part mostly I, I'll say it because you can do magic and there are no consequences. Like yeah. there, you just do magic. You just learn it, and it's fun, and yeah. that's it. The problem, another reason why this movie and the craft will never be fully satisfying to me is because you do you can't do that. You like yeah. you do magic, and then you get punished for it. And I hate that. Like I just want the fantasy of being able to like like the Sabrina teenage mm-hmm. witch show from the nineties, where she just like yeah. waved a finger and could do whatever she wants. Definitely. Like, that is what I want. Yeah. I, and I will say also, like, another thing to note about this movie, too, is that in the craft, like, the girls use magic at least to benefit their lives in some, yeah. like, important ways. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas what we see the boy, literally, one of the only examples we see of the boys using magic is to look up a girl's skirt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But so we decided to do 10 star reviews for this movie because they're just so much more interesting than reading more people rag on it. Yeah, I'll, so I guess start. I'll start. Yeah. yeah. So the first 10 star review for this movie is without reservation, I am voting for 10 out of 10 here. The understated performance of the male lead Stephen Strait pulled me right in and I quickly began to care about him and all the characters in his life. If you are into the thinking man's horror movie, this is definitely a must see. The Thinking Man's horror movie. I love that. I love it. Because I have a friend that called Batman vs. Superman a Thinking Man's oh, movie. Oh, which is, oh. and Batman vs. Superman is the worst movie I've ever seen. That's rough. Worse That's than true. this one. I'll say it. It just makes you know that, like, there are two Americas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the second one is from the get go, this movie was slick, hip, and believable. I was in shock. <laughs> I like Witch Warlock, whatever you prefer to call them, movies, and I saw The Craft when it came out. I was not only disappointed, I laughed at it. It was very high schoolish. <laughs> the Covenant takes this style of movie to a whole nother level with a fresh and believable, yes, I keep saying that word a lot, but it fits, twist, that first blast movie like The Craft, and then shows them how it should be done. Oh, wow, this is so funny. I love this so much. I love it. Such a good decision to do the 10 star. The final 10 star review is, I love this movie. So many hot guys, you just want to jump into the screen. The eye thing is so awesome, I must say. All the actors are so cool and professional. I love when Reed says, kiss my ass, Harry Potter. He is so like Draco. It is awesome. I just almost fell out of my seat when Chase kissed Caleb, so I called it. It wasn't even funny. I love this person should be on the podcast. Yeah, I agree. This is our third host right here. Love yeah. her. She got it. Yeah. I, I, or they got it. Who knows? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm going to give this movie a three with the caveat that I enjoyed parts of it, but it went on too long and it didn't have a satisfying ending. And it's crazy that you don't even see the other boys at the end of the movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll give it a three too. Why not? Because like I, I probably will like, 
I don't know. I I feel like part of it is me barely watching it, kind of, because I was doing other stuff while watching it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was fun. And I'll probably, like, think about it sometimes. <laughs> it's definitely, a, it was a great pairing with the craft. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we had so much fun talking about it. And that yeah. third review... The third review made it all worth it. Yeah. And I did look up fan fiction as soon as I finished watching it. It is so hot. Like, yeah. the men and the women. Everyone. They need to reboot it. They need to do what they did with the Craft Legacy and do it right this time. And lean harder into the things that we have identified Oh, 100%. About. This is a movie that could be... Because it was made, like, late-ish... No. Yeah, mm. 2006. So, like, late-ish 2000s. And it was already shiny. So they could remake it and it would exactly. be fine. That's the property we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you for listening. Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Crew Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on February 8th and we'll be discussing Promising Young Woman and Drive. You can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at Chick Flicks Podcast at Gmail. Thanks for listening. I'm so peppy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, I sounded like blue from Blue's Clues. <laughs> <laughs>